Since before midsummer, we in the church have been marching through the Gospel of Matthew. Before our brief break last week for All Saints, we had made it all the way to the 22nd chapter, and today, today we jump ahead to the 25th. To get a sense of where this comes from, you need a little bit of background. I'm not going to read all the 23rd and 24th chapter. I'll just give you the highlights. 23rd, Jesus talks about the Pharisees, about how they're hypocritical, and, and how they are at the, about the sorrows about Jerusalem rejecting the prophets. 24th chapter has Jesus with, his, with just his disciples up on the side of the Mount of Olives. It's a private conversation around the end times, and they're wanting to know the when and the how. Verse 24 gives us, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels or the Son, only the Father. The disciples are told to be watchful, to be ready, to be prepared. Jesus, knowing his disciples, and really knowing us, he gives this parable to drive home his point about being ready at the very beginning of the story. The story of the ten maidens. Some, some uh, gospels call it the ten virgins. Ten maidens, young women. Perhaps from their position high up on the Mount of Olives, they could witness a wedding procession going on in the city below. And so it begins. And the kingdom of heaven will be like ten maidens who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And we have to think, wait a minute, wait just a minute. Didn't we have almost an entire month of parables that began that same way? The kingdom of God is like. Well, yes we have. But this time Jesus clues us in on, on the when and how, not the what of this transition. He talks about our responsibility to be prepared for the kingdom, especially with his final statement to us this morning. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Parables are great because you can just chock them full of all sorts of symbols. And this one is just pretty regular. There are some that are interesting, some that are just yawners. A yawner. Uh, ten. Ten is the minimum number of men to have a synagogue. That's why there's ten maidens. Could be eight, could be twelve. Jesus chose ten. The women, virgins in some translations, young women in other, represent the church. We hear in Revelation 12, a pure woman represents that true church. In Revelation 7, harlots represent the apostatized church, those who have left. We have in the Old Testament, from Jeremiah 6, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. They represent the people of the church. The bride and the groom, Jesus and his church, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, 31 and 32 tells us, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And now in verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Whether we get a lamp and light. Psalm 119, one of the verses I absolutely love, verse 105 your word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light for my path. Think about it for a second. If you're outside, say in a forest, in the dark, is it safer to walk where there's a little bit of light showing or not? Of course it's safer to walk where there's light. You follow the light and it can illumine a path versus all the hazards that can meet you along the way. Follow the light. If we let God's word be the lamp and will illuminate our safe path for our feet, for our lives. Yet in Proverbs chapter 6, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So we're told what this lamp and light means. Now notice that Solomon further refines this definition to call it the commandment and the law, not just the word. Well, we get oil. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. Oil is used in a lot of ways, but for consecration, the anointing of sanctuary and priests and kings. It's used in healing, if you remember the Good Samaritan, and for illumination. These people understood and reflected on that word. Well, we get to the delay. The young ladies are helping the bride prepare. The bridegroom would meet with the father of the bride, negotiate, and settle the dowry. Sometimes the process of settling the dowry is, took, could, took some time because it might get a little argumentative. Once the dowry settled, the bridegroom could go and get his bride, and the wedding party was on. Our dowry, yours and mine, has already been settled, and our dowry has already been paid. Finally, the party. The party, heaven itself. A wedding typically lasted three to seven days, so to avoid strangers from crashing the party, disturbing it a little bit, they would close the doors, lock them up. That those that are in are in, those that are out are out. What does this mean for us? Where's the application? Some things that you may not have noticed about this story, and they're very important. Jesus is still answering that original question about the last days. With current events in the world, worldwide tensions, with the pandemic, I wish I had stock in masks, um, or, or Zoom. Uh, with these current events, we're fast approaching that end of times, potentially. So the message means something more for us. All of these young women have a lamp. They have light. They have oil. In other words, this is a description of the people that have the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and their light is shining. These are active Christians. This is a description of us. This is not a description of some backsliding Christians or people that have that shallow belief system or someone that doesn't live out their Christianity. This story is about those of us who are trying to live Christian lives and let others see his light shine through us. All 10 of these women fell asleep while waiting for the groom. In other words, all the people of God's church relax a little bit. When God doesn't come back when we want him or think he should, we, re we kind of just let the shoulders down and relax. We become a little more complacent. 
and we're not as enthusiastic as we were when we first found Jesus. Does that look like some of us in the church today? Many Christians today have fallen asleep, and they no longer exhibit that joyous first love that they experienced when they first found Christ. Well, their light continues to shine, but it's a bit dimmer than it was before, and it's beginning to flicker. We may have been excited at first, but now a little more drowsy regarding the truth of God's word or the importance of faithfulness. Yes, our light is still kind of shining. Yes, we still have the word of God with us sometime. Yes, we still have the Holy Spirit with us, but we're less attentive to God than we were at other matters in this world, this life. We're more attentive to my wants, my desires, my will. Our initial enthusiasm and obedience has somewhat disappeared. And we're just treading water now, and it's time for each of us to wake up and evaluate ourselves. We're warned in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness over all the people. But the Lord, the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will now come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. God through Isaiah is telling us that we're it. And if we're not it, it ain't happening. When, midnight, when the midnight cry comes, sorry, when the midnight cry comes, behold the bridegroom. The young women wake up, discover that their light is flickering. They started to prepare. All of them started to prepare their lamps, but five discovered they did not have enough oil. They asked their friends to help, but the friends just have enough and none to share. Will we be awakened with a cry of his coming and his going throughout the land? There will be no mistake when that happens, and all of God's faithful will wake up and try to strengthen their faith. But some will have a full tank of faith, and others will sputter dry. Notice that Jesus calls them wise and foolish. The comparison is not good versus evil, nor righteous versus wicked. The differentiation is between wise and foolish, and this means all of them have accepted the invitation to meet the bridegroom, but only five are truly prepared. So, think about it. Why are the wise wise, and why are the foolish foolish? The foolish women knew they did not have enough oil with them, Yet all, the, all of the women trimmed their lamps as soon as the midnight cry comes forward. All of them thought they were ready. The foolish ones believed that they were entitled to enter the party, having received an invitation and making the effort to await his arrival. They thought all was well, even a little late. The bridegroom was delayed. The foolish virgins realized in spite of all their outward demonstrations of piety, they'd failed to prepare sufficiently. No one can enter the party without having the light in their lamp. The lamp must be shining, and it's not enough to just know and believe in the saving grace of Jesus. A person that is truly saved shines, shines. The cry, the groom is coming, is heard. 
we still have a little bit of time to make ready that which is already prepared for him. But not enough time to begin to fill our spiritual flasks and be ready to receive with the joy of his, with the joy of his appearing. It's important that we have oil of faith in reserve. How's the status of your reserve tank? While we cannot give faith to another, it is our responsibility to help remind our brothers and sisters of their oil supply, not when the midnight cry goes out, but when we're preparing for the coming, like right now. It is our responsibility to support each other so that we all make it, and that can be difficult. It's not just enough to have faith, but rather to have faith in Jesus to know his word, to believe in his promises, and to faithfully follow his commandments. In other words, we need to know we are saved and by whom. We need to believe that we are saved through our ongoing relationship with Jesus, our Savior, and need to act like we are saved. At the end of every Eucharist, every Sunday, we pray together in the Thanksgiving prayer, and now, Father, send us out to do the work you've given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. If we believe that, if we really practice that, we would be prepared at all times. If we're going to be faithful witnesses, we need to be faith-filled witnesses of Christ. And we need to shine with his love, shine with his grace. If we fully love and if we fully love and really and be ready to serve God in our lives, we'll see, we will see his word, his law, his commandments, his love, is the lamp in our lives and truly the light for our path. Time has come to assess our faith. Not to compare it with someone else or some kind of standard that's out there, but to look deep in our reserves, the oil flask, into our practices, our light, our faith in Jesus, our lamp, and with joy express our trust in God's salvation plan for those who believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen.